You're listening to a Martin Productions presentation. The judge is not going to let it go past today? Uh-huh. If you can get lost and not get the peanut today, uh-huh. I think you'll be fine. Man, yeah, Reggie. All right, now. That's just a suggestion, bro. I ain't telling you what to do. No, I know. That's just a suggestion. Yeah. It's just coming from, you know, what I know. Hey, don't subpoena you. can't do nothing to you. R.J. Bond and I am an investigative reporter slash journalist slash documentarian and I am here to tell you what I know. Hey everybody, it's R.J. Bond here with R.J. Bond What I Know, also co-hosted as always with Mr. J.M. Kazi who's here. Say hello. Hello everybody. Uh, sorry we've been, we've been away from the microphone but we're, we're back at it and we should see some consistency going moving forward. Yep, absolutely. Um, Okay, and, and I'm gonna I've got Kazi on the phone, but I'm gonna say Kazi, make sure you speak up so people can hear you. Even then you were quiet. So we wanna make sure you oh, was I? we want yes, we wanna hear what you have to say, my friend. Your your input is valuable okay. and important and we definitely wanna hear what you have to say. So well right. a lot of things are going on these days in the Tupac world. I, I think it's kind of exciting to see um, you know, uh, on a number of fronts things are moving forward. You know, of course we have all that information that came from the Vegas uh, PD uh, that was given to the uh, Center for Journalistic Excellence. I think it was the place that sued them. And 1,500 pages of documents got released. And I think that uh, we've been through probably, I think I've been through probably maybe five, 600 of them. And, you know, somebody says, okay, why, why haven't you gone through more than that? Well, y- you try going through 600 pages of anything, okay? Uh, it's just a lot of freaking reading to do. So, uh, you know, and some of the stuff just doesn't apply. You know, Vegas chose to include in those 1,500 documents, you know, um, articles from a magazine, things like that, that, you know, had no, had no real value to them, but were in the files anyway, stuff that really didn't matter. But you better be sure that Vegas is going to hold on to the things that do matter, right? And, uh, and I think that it's, it's something that... Um, uh, is very telling in the investigation, but we're still going through things. Um, you know, um, I think, Kazi, what would you say is probably the biggest thing to come out of the latest trove of, of Vegas stuff? What, what would you say? Cause we well, had a few. I think, I, I think, I think the most, the most important thing that came out to me, well, what was striking was, was the vehicle that was, was seen by the Valley driver. If that's one of the things that you want to, it's all subjective. I mean, if you if you feel like that's one of the most important things, and that could be one of the most important things, but the other important thing too was, and a witness, matter of factly, was the person that had never been heard from before, had never been uh, brought to the the limelight, and that was the lady that was driving the Ford Ranger that was behind the the shooting that was taking place on the boulevard. So she saw a lot of what took place, but of course, you know, she didn't get into the limelight because she was afraid to talk. Because I I think. If I'm mistaken, RJ, correct me if I'm wrong. She had, uh, I think there was a couple of people who were undocumented, so she was, you know, kind of afraid that potentially they would uh, be questioned and maybe, I don't know, maybe deported. Who maybe knows? deported, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that that's true, but, you know, it, it, even in spite of those fears, it didn't take her long to actually contact the police. I mean, it was later, but, I mean, it's it wasn't like 
18 years later where there's some people, I won't name names, there's some people that are finally cutting loose with some information that would have been kind of nice to know about 18 years ago, right? Um, you know, oh, yeah. and, and withholding material information, which when you, you know, I can't say who, but when you find out who was holding the information, I have very mixed feelings about it because it's, when, when you talk about witness credibility or witnesses that have uh, an ability to convince a jury or to be put on the stand, when you see somebody that can't be um, crushed by the defense, whose, whose reputation can't be sullied or can't be screwed around with, and, and their, their reputation in the Tupac community is, is, you know, pretty damn good, you know, when you find that people are sitting on information and they are now willing 18 years later to get that information out. I, I, I worry that 18 years ago, maybe that information could have been a game changer. Maybe more could have been done on things 18 years ago when it was much more relevant than now just because somebody finally feels comfortable coming forward and saying something. I think that that's, that's a... Um, I, I, I just I, I I have I, I their stock went down in my book a lot not that they care but you know their stock went down in my book a lot because you you have this and then on the other hand you got some lady who was scared to death for a number of reasons she was scared that maybe somebody would retaliate she was scared that the illegals in her car might be you know found out or whatever and she was honest enough to even admit that which I think really speaks to her credibility because she was willing to say you know what hey I had a couple of illegals in my car okay not a great move in terms of like, you know, picking your friends, I guess. But, um, but that's beside the point. She was a material witness to a homicide and she felt strongly enough about it because they got the facts wrong. Remember, that's what she said. She was calling because their facts were wrong. What they were saying publicly was not right. And she called to straighten them out about it and give them the facts. That's big information. So I think you're right. That was probably, I, that was one of the bigger things to come out of it. Uh, I think that the, the valet, uh, information about it, about seeing the cars, uh, you know, there at the, um, uh, at the house, you know, and that the, uh, the, one of the cars being the last one in the procession, the white Cadillac being the last one in the procession. Um, that's certainly something of value. Um, I, I look at the Orlando Anderson at, you know, Sunrise Hospital. I, I think that's, uh, um, I think that's another can potentially at least big lead that came out of that those documents and and funny not not what they said but what they didn't say uh, about it well let me let me interject here and, and when you mentioned the the vehicle and then you, you had the part-time officer who was doing the off-duty gig and of course he had a certain person who tried to marginalize that and said he was a security guard or whatnot you know working for whatever company that is out there these days but Anyhow, I think the most important thing, and it was conveniently told by the head of security, that, oh, uh, we had a white Cadillac. Oh, we had a, a white car, and we had a maroon car. But that was never, ever mentioned until that document came out. So don't you see that as kind of a, like a, you know, convenience factor for that person? Oh, I think it's definitely fishy. Uh, I think that they, they you know... Um, yeah, it, important to know, I guess, never. I, I don't think it was ever mentioned to the Vegas police. But of course, you know, certain people that we're talking about, 
were never questioned by Vegas police. At least we don't have a record, and I didn't see anything in the all of the documents that were that they listed as subject to it. I'll go through and look at it again, but I'm pretty darn sure that there wasn't a single interview done with the head of security for Death Row Records that night that assigned security personnel. There, they interviewed the witnesses that were directly there. I don't think they interviewed the head of security. Um, maybe because they thought what information he had may not be material. But, you know, generally you interview everybody. Anybody you can talk to, you talk to about it. And, you know, and maybe that's something that will, we'll, maybe that's another question we'll talk to our, our guest tonight. Um, we'll talk to him a little bit uh, about uh, witnesses and, and um, immunity and things like that. But maybe that's something we'll talk to him about. Maybe I'll make a note of that. That we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to him about um, uh, you know interviewing how many people you interview in a, in a homicide do you stop how do, you know do you limit how many people you interview how do you decide who who to interview and who not to interview in a homicide that sounds like that might be kind of a fun thing to talk to him about right oh yeah absolutely yeah, and you, you mentioned immune, immunity so we'll, we'll talk about immunity today and I don't know if you want to. You want to breeze over that and, and talk about what Bill Carson has recently come out with and just the, the whole scope of his his investigation. And we can sure. talk about and figure out yeah. what it is that, that uh, we, you know, we've been, you know, sort of requesting. And, you know, obviously he may not listen to what we have to say, but um, at least we get it out there. So I'll, 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 I'll segue into it, RJ. The, so we, we had, last conversation we had was about, uh, Bill Carson coming out with the documents, and I think if when we did the live stream, you sent a, and I, we played a, a clip, and the clip he said he only had he only made notes. So that does that go against everything that he's been saying that that you know as trained that he has documents? Well, the thing about it is they uh, you know, and it's funny. Um, I on the live stream, I did a live stream last night, and I talked about Pavlov's dog. And for all of you who don't know what Pavlov's dog is, it's actually an experiment that was done with a, uh, a scientist and his dog that he would feed the dog every time and he'd ring a bell when he fed the dog. Well, every time the dog got fed, or he rang the bell. I think he'd wait for five minutes and then he'd feed the dog. The dog started to drool because he was anticipating getting his food. At one point, the scientist rang the bell and never presented the food. The dog drooled anyway, and every time the scientist rang the bell, the dog drooled. So it was a cause-and-effect experiment known as Pavlov's dog. What we have here is our own version of Pavlov's dog, Kazi, where we mention something, and sure as shit, somebody's going to bring it up later. Um, we, we One of the things that we were pretty hard on uh, with this... Uh, uh, Don Sikorsky project called the the dossier 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 what we want to pronounce it um, really should be called the ripoff report uh, because they've just flat out stolen and I'll put it out there you can you want to sue me sue me you stole material you stole material and you used it by for material from Jesse Surratt J mix uh, you use material of mine you've used material of uh, Nick Broomfields they've used all this material from all these different sources to try to make this podcast work and it is not fair use uh, there are certain things that are fair use uh, the stuff with Jesse and using his name or, or not his name using his voice that's not fair use okay especially when you're going to use 
a substantive part of that. It's not fair use from Nick Broomfield's documentary when you use all the audio of Russell Poole out of it, okay? There are certain other things that come into play like uh, likeness rights, you know, where, where they used my voice, okay? Um, I think Michael Carlin may have given them permission to use segments from Battle for Compton. The problem is I never gave them permission to use my voice, okay? So... I mean, these guys are just blurring lines all over the place to get a story out. So clearly in my book, what that immediately says is that I, I question their um, uh, legitimacy in terms of statements that they make. If they're if they're willing to not call people, it's not like my phone number has been blocked or anything, Kazi. You call me all the time. Um, it, it's not like my phone number is impossible to get a hold of. And if somebody wanted to use an interview that I did with Steve Strong and put it in the podcast, and they wanted to make sure it was okay, I was already on their case, you know this, I was already on their case about the fact that Phil Carson was talking about showing documents, and that he had this information, and of course, I've known this for three years, I interviewed Phil Carson, it's almost three years old, it was actually two years old, it was 2018, and you know, he was saying back then that he had, he had the stuff, he had documents, he had stuff, well, I've been on their case about it. You would think that the guy who's on their case the most, they would want to do the least amount of pissing off, okay? The guy is not afraid to speak out about it, and even my own fan base is like, oh, you're just jealous, RJ. No, 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 no. It's not about that. I, I give Michael Carlin credit for talking to Suge. I give Phil Carson credit for doing the investigation he's doing. All I'm saying, and all I said at the time was, he just needs to back it up and come up with the documents that support what he's saying. If you want to say, yeah, we got documents, but we can't show them right now, that's fine. But don't keep talking about what the documents actually are and what they mean and then not show the documents. I think that's inherently dishonest, okay? And again, I don't think that Phil Carson has much of anything to do with it, uh, but I was on their case about it. So, you know, this this show, uh, the podcast, the Sikorsky show, uh, you know, is, is just inherently, I think it's dishonest. That's my opinion, because they're... Um, using material that doesn't belong to them, uh, you know, to try to make a point. Uh, they've got Phil Carson clearly under contract, so he can, can and can't talk about things. And, uh, you know, and they're, now they're running around, uh, because I've been on their case, especially after the last one, uh, about Phil Carson not showing the documents. And lo and behold, four days ago, they come up with, here comes Pavlov's dog, about a, a whole episode that's dedicated to the fact that they've got documents. Okay, and that they got the documents from a Freedom of Information Act request and that they got documents from Perry Sanders and from the Biggie Smalls team. Well, you know, and, and, and where they came from. And you, you're familiar with that. You know that I've, that I've chatted them up about that. Yeah, but, 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 but not to change the subject, but we, we talk about Suge and I think the, the bombshell for people, if, if you want to say it's a bombshell, is that Suge Knight, said that Orlando Anderson was not the shooter. So Okay, well, if, we'll talk about that in a minute. Shattering. Yeah, no, we'll talk yeah, about that in a yeah. minute. Let's finish talking about Phil Carson stuff for a minute, okay? So they come out okay. with this new podcast. Sorry to shut you down. We're going to do that, though. We're going to get back on Phil Carson for a minute. I ain't done talking about that. The Because this RG, by the way, this is RJ Bond, what I know. So what I know is that Phil Carson said, and we played it in our last podcast, I'm pretty sure, uh, we paid in our last property. Phil Carson said, I don't have anything. I uh, took my notes, 
but I don't have anything other than that. I did the, he didn't take any of the 302 forms. He didn't take any of that. Now, I had, I've already emailed Perry Sanders about their accusations because uh, rumor has it, allegedly, that, you know, they're also saying that the Wallace case is going to be refiled. I heard that in this last podcast. They came out with that allegation that possibly the Wallace case is going to be refiled. Well, from Perry Sanders, who's the attorney there, I've heard a little, a little verge told me that they're out of their friggin' minds is what Perry Sanders is saying about it because, you know, even if they were going to file the case, they don't want people preparing for a defense by knowing that they're going to file a case. I mean, that's the dumbest thing in the world to go out, even if they were going to file a case, to make the announcement that they were looking at doing that, okay? It's like a criminal prosecution. Why would you give anybody the upper hand? Right? Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna have you're gonna have the pundits that, that are even the potential people that were involved and they're and they're gonna scramble to make sure that they get their stories right and make mm-hmm. sure that everything is, is gonna be good as far as when it comes to that. So that's we when they kinda suspect who those people are, the ones that are scrambling and the well, ones that are trying to stonewall everything. That's so. why that's when the hammers hit the hard drives, dude. You know, that's <laughs> That's when that happens is when these guys start to pick up on, oh, shit, you know, they're, they're, we're, we're going for round two. Well, what didn't we clean up from round one? Okay, let's get to that, okay? Um, but they, that's what they, I mean, they're, they're, they're audacious enough to actually put it out there and say the words that they, there's, there's going to be another lawsuit filed. I think they said, like, allegedly or rumor has it or the story is. But, you know, why would you do that if it's not true? Why would you even hint at it if it's not true? And I know for a fact that these guys can reach out to Perry Sanders, ask him the question, and find out whether or not that's really happening, okay? And from what I understand, Don Sikorsky and Perry Sanders know each other and know each other pretty well. So the fact that that's even being floated out there, I think, is also inherently dishonest. Um, Yeah, more of a a scare tactic, and if anything, it's more more of a tall tale, because I've had that those messages on my on my YouTube page with the comment commentary that that the case is going to be filed and then of course try to cross reference it and there's nothing there so it's just somebody being stupid. No, I I think it's worse than that, Kazi. I think it's worse than that. I've said from day one that this whole dossier podcast is a bunch of uh, frosting and no cake. Okay. I think it's I think it's a fishing expedition. They threw out a little bit of news and they tell a great story and they're really good about explaining the whole biggie thing and they're all explaining the case, explaining what Phil Carson's involvement was, but they really don't go very deep with things. I mean, they talk a little bit about Mary Mary Muhammad, they talk a little bit about Ken Bogney, they had Ken Bogney talking a lot in one episode. They talk about a lot of stuff, but when it comes to the real substance of proving their case, I've always said they're extremely light. And the reason I think they're extremely light is because for years, Don Sikorsky has been trying to sell a, uh, a TV show. I've got the PowerPoint from him. He had a guy by the name of King Tut, who was a, a gang guy that was saying a lot about Reggie Wright and about, you know, this death row thing and all that. And he had that. And then he had the other thing with Phil Carson and the Biggie thing. And this has been something that's been around for years. Everybody knows it. And... And so he's been trying to do a TV show, a documentary, something that would give him a good paycheck, okay? And I don't blame the guy. He's a producer. He works in Hollywood. He produces things. He's trying to produce a show. He's trying to make money to do a show. 
I don't blame him for that. I don't fault him for that. I don't say he's a bad guy for that. But what I believe is that the, the this podcast was, A, enough to try to stir up the fan base to see what interest there was on it, uh, to stir up the fan base, maybe to get some... Uh, to get some PR moving behind it, to get a little bit of fan fan noise behind it. And then the other thing it was, was it was a nice promotional reel for a TV show distributor or a studio or a TV channel to want to fund and pay for that show up front so that he can get paid and he can put a show out about those things. And so that's when you come up with, well, we've got all the documents and we've got all these things and we got this. But when you get down to it, you really don't get down to the details. If you notice that, they go over a lot of material. And that's one of the biggest things about this case. You could do 10 hours on it and you probably not get to all the details. But they're extremely light between all of their ads that they put in. They got a 30 minute show. They put 10 minutes of ads in there. So you got 20 minutes to talk about something, right? And so... It, there's a lot of information, a lot of primer. They use clips from Biggie. I think they even used Biggie's music in one of their podcasts. I think they were using some music in it. Don't know what the clearance rights are on that. But, uh, you know, again, but if you don't care, you know, if you're willing to rip people off and steal their stuff, you can pretty much do anything. Um, that's that's yeah. that's the truth. And I'm not saying Sikorsky well, himself did it. Somebody did. Somebody in the podcast ripped shit off. So, somebody did. Somebody thought it was an okay thing to do. Um, and I don't believe they were being naive either. Um, in that case, yeah. you know, so, well, well, it, it caters, it caters some, some of the, some of the content in there is, is, you know, like I said, depending on subjective, whatever your opinion is on it. Some yeah. of the stuff is, it would, was, would be earth shattering for some people that are new listeners and for others not, but, but I think it's too high level. I think, yeah, it, I, it's an advertisement for level. some other project. Right. Right, but but if, if 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 these if these confessions or whatever it is that are in there are earth shattering, I think we we talked about it. and You even mentioned it. And I kind of was thinking the same thing. Then why don't they go to the LAPD and why don't they use this material to implicate whoever it is that is is being implicated? Right. Well, yeah, they don't. They you know, again, uh, you know, Phil Carson has said the same thing. Greg Kading has said that you know the FBI is not willing to prosecute the case. Uh, the FBI is not willing to step in and, and make a referral uh, to the LAPD. They, Carson says the same thing Kading said, which is funny because Carson and Kading are like directly at odds. Kading calls him a clown and everything else. But really, they're saying the same thing. The LAPD didn't want to prosecute the case. They both have different reasons for it, but they're both saying the same thing. The LAPD is the bad guy to both of them. But um, but they but they still are at odds with each other. That cracks me up from just from sitting on the sidelines in the bleachers and watching. Uh, it's fun to it's fun to, to see that narrative come out. Um, but, you know, they certainly have no loss, love loss for each other. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, when it, when you really get into it, um, there isn't. And, and again, the, the, the biggest problem they have is now they're mentioning just like they mentioned Perry Sanders and they mentioned the. The lawsuit, they're mentioning that the information that they are getting about the details of the Wallace shooting and this whatever new information is that maybe Phil Carson can speak on and corroborate that it came from a Freedom of Information Act associated with the Biggie Smalls case. Okay, now we know that Rob Franks and, and Perry Sanders and the attorneys that worked on uh, Sandy Rivera. The attorneys that worked on the case for the Biggie Smalls family, uh, you know, are great attorneys. They're good attorneys. 
So they would know what to ask for the LAPD for. The problem was the LAPD had a history of stonewalling and to the point where they had the privilege log and the LAPD was not willing to show them anything. The reason that Perry Sanders in the Biggie Smalls case had to dismiss the Wallace case, they didn't lose it, they dismissed it voluntarily, was because they got a new judge after the old judge died. They got a new judge and the new judge ruled against them saying that the LAPD did not have to disclose any of the Christopher Wallace files that they had, or a very few of them, but not certainly not the ones that the Wallace family needed to get the get the beef, so to speak, you know, to get to the meat of it. And right. and they lost that motion because the Perry Sanders and the team tried to get the judge to compel LAPD to give them the evidence that they had, so they even and not even give it to them to keep. But just give it to them to look at. It's called an in-camera interview where they can actually look at the documents. They sit down at the police station with some guy watching them like they were supposed to do with the ballots, right? But some guy watching them and they look through the documents and they can make notes, but they're not allowed to take anything out of that room other than their personal notes about things. They can't. So it would have no evidentiary value to it because they don't have anything to present to the court, but at least they can know where the things were headed. Well, the judge in this case actually said, no, you're not even doing that. Okay. So it was like a landslide for the LAPD. And if you can't get your hands on that kind of evidence, Perry being smart said, we're chasing a rabbit. This dog ain't going to hunt. So it's better for us to refile later. Maybe we'll get a better judge. We'll get a different judge. Maybe something else will have happened that we can get a better uh, outcome for the LAPD showing us what they have. Because that's really what it comes down to. You have to have this information the LAPD is not willing to give to base this out. Now, in addition to that, because they are good attorneys, they're not just going to rely on what LAPD had to say. They are actually also going to go in and um, ask for other information, other corroborating information. Maybe they, you know, FBI files what they know. Now, I know what's been released publicly by the FBI. I mean, the FBI released hundreds of pages of documents on the Tupac case. That's not a mystery. And on the Biggie case, that's not a mystery. But the documents they have, that's available to anybody. I mean, it's on the FBI's website. Go to the FBI's website, fbi.gov, I think. You just go up there and you go to cold cases and it shows Christopher Wallace and you could, you too can be the proud owner of several hundred pages of newspaper articles and about a <laughs> bunch of meaningless shit that they just threw out because somebody said, here, do this, okay? Certainly not the 302 interviews that Phil Carson did. Certainly none of those things, okay? So whatever information that Rob Franks and Perry Sanders and that guy, I'm not diminishing the value of that information, but there's two important things to know about it because Sikorsky's, oh, we got this information, we got this information. Their own people allegedly, and I say allegedly because this person's never come back and ever ever vouched for who they were and they had a dead YouTube account and I think, it, you know, I was being trolled. Somebody said that they were a producer of the of the podcast and that, you know, they have all this information. Why wouldn't I know about this? I've been with Donald Skorsky for two years, blah, blah, blah. And was really trying to flame me out. I think I was just being trolled, but they, they, and I shot back a whole bunch of questions is that they never came back with. So, you know, I, I had their number from day one, but these guys come in there and they're talking about it and they're saying, Hey, um, <clears throat> you know, they, they have this, but they can't show the information. Does this sound familiar to you? I have it, but I can't show it. I've got it, but I can't yeah. show it. 
Okay, wasn't that what Kading was yeah. doing? I have it, but I can't show it. Okay, and well, well Greg Kading hasn't showed a lot of things, and, right? And of course, he's only released so many tidbits of his information. But when it really comes down to it, he'll sit on the stage and he'll show you a document, but you you can't read it because it's it's a ten point font. So I mean, you know, he could be holding a jack in the box receipt or something, and you know, people would still believe him, but. And he but always says that people can look on, on, on what you were talking about, the judge. Okay. Yeah. Before you move forward. Yeah. If that's just a hypothetical here, if the judge would have allowed Perry Sanders and his legal team to move forward with the, with the lawsuit against the city of LA, would they have won? Oh, I, I, I think that I think that because again, they weren't trying to convict the city of Los Angeles for the killing of Biggie Smalls. That wasn't what the lawsuit was about. The lawsuit was about the city's blocking and basically frustrating the investigation. And I think in that case, I think the evidence was absolutely clear, clear and compelling. Uh, but what they needed was they needed to know exactly what it was the LAPD was hiding, that they had information that they could have acted on and didn't. See, because that was what the suit mm -hmm. was about. The suit was not about who killed Biggie. The suit was about, did the LAPD have any reason to believe that they knew who did and never prosecuted the case, or did they hide information and obscure information because they realized that there were LAPD officers involved? That was what the right. case was about, okay? It wasn't about who killed him, and they were hoping maybe they'd figure that out, but it was the fact that, that there were allegations that there were LAPD officers involved, uh, LAPD officers were definitely seen at the Peterson Auto Museum the night Biggie was killed. They weren't in their official capacity. Uh, some of them had time off, uh, you know, and they, they were there. And how does this right. work? So what they needed to know was what the LAPD actually knew about these officers' involvement, internal investigation, stuff like that. And if they had gotten that information, I really believe the internal affairs stuff, the stuff they were looking for that would have you know, place these guys and by name and maybe they admitted it, maybe they didn't, maybe somebody else said they did. Whatever they were doing, they weren't moving the case forward and they said the case was at a standstill, okay? And in fact, the LAPD then came out under the guise of Greg Kading and Darren Dupree and said, oh, guess what? The LAPD had nothing to do with it. It was this guy, Poochie Faust, that was paid by Suge Knight to kill Biggie. Why? Who knows? Because it wasn't... It wasn't Biggie or Puffy. It was Orlando Anderson who made some random shooting because it was a gang thing at Tupac, okay? Nothing to do with Biggie. So for some reason, Death Row had Poochie Faust kill Biggie and, and Puffy Combs. And why, we don't know. And all based on the one witness that was a friend of Reggie Wright's, uh, Tammy Hawkins, who tried to roll over on Suge and roll over uh, to get the deflect what everybody was saying about LAPD cops being involved and all that to create an alternative narrative. It was so important. The, so the question, the question is how did they figure out, how did they figure out the source of, of the person that was going to be the, the person that opened up the can of worms. So in other, in other words, what I'm saying is who led them to Tammy Hawkins? Mm. Well, now that would be, I guess that would be, information that would be considered an informant maybe okay uh and uh and we'll talk about that just a quick sec but but first let me just close this thought by saying 
they've come out and done this whole thing about expose about all this information they had. Number one, I think it's a bad idea to be, if you personally don't have your hands on that information and they're saying, according to this person that may not exist, that for some reason they can't put that information out, then you shouldn't be fucking talking about it. If you can't put it out, it does, you know, and you could say it exists, but then it's based on your credibility. And if you run around ripping everybody off and ripping off their materials, what credibility do you really have? Okay. I mean, that's like leakers, right? right? It's the same kind of same kind of thing. What credibility do you really have? So, you know, and I, I say, how dare they? Because they ripped off Russ Poole. I mean, Russ Poole is the one who gave legitimacy to this whole investigation of Biggie. And in their tribute to Russ Poole and in their tribute to the work that Russ did and in confirmation of the work that Russ did, what do they do? They rip off his voice, Okay. Uh-huh. They're not paying his family anything for it. They're not paying his wife anything for the use of his voice. Okay, they're not paying anybody right. like that. And if they it, uh, allegedly, I should say, maybe they're not paying anybody. I don't know if they are. Or they're not. Uh, but uh, I, I seriously doubt that they're cutting Megan Poole a check for using Russell's voice in the in the dossier. Okay, I don't think so. Uh-huh. Okay, so there. I mean, two there's, points. Huh? Yeah. Two points, RJ. I don't yeah. mean to cut you out, but two Yo. points when you speak about Russell Poole. Can we say that the lack of the lack of transparency from the beginning would 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 lead you to believe that the LAPD did have something to hide when it you know all started off with Russell having his his uh, you know his hunch on on things and kind of connecting the dots together? Okay. Yeah. And then you can answer that. And then second point would be that you know we always hear that Russell Poole is this that and the other, but can we both agree that he got enough respect? So in the movie City of Lies. He was, you know, being portrayed, you know, Johnny Depp was portraying Russell Poole and Valletta Wallace is in the movie. Right. You know, yeah. So, again, Valletta Wallace's opinion on things, I think, has been taken out of context because uh, because she was in City of Lies and she did that out of respect for Russell Poole because she said Russell Poole was was honest and was the only one that she thought cared about the investigation, that cared about what happened to her son. And um, and the lawsuit, the LAPD lawsuit that they couldn't get the information from was was information that would have validated that. So to answer your first question, the one you asked really, yes, I think they would have prevailed. I think had they got things the way with Judge Cooper, um, they had got the million dollar sanction against the LAPD, which Katingham says never happened, but it did happen, and they did. They did not disclose that information on Ken Bogney, and it was in Katz's drawer. And they can, you know, they can try to rationalize it all day long. Bottom line was that the judge did sanction him for it. They tried to get overturned. The judge did overturn it, but then when they were proven to be liars, the judge overturned it again. So a little bit of information left out about that. But I think they would have won because they already had momentum going in their favor. So that was, you know, and then suddenly the judge dies, right? Um, boy, that could right. be a whole tinfoil hat thing all by itself, couldn't it? You know? Yeah, you could, you could start to go down a rabbit hole. But yeah, let's get the tinfoil hat guys out on that one. Judge <laughs> Florence Marie Cooper died during the Biggie trial. Old age? Yeah. Or was it something else? You know, you know, this is, yeah. you know, this is, let's get the tinfoil yeah. hat crew on that one. Or, or we can just say, or we can just say that that judge is probably crazy that judge was smoking crack or that judge was right you know, or yeah the judge's mama smoked crack you know or the judge had a house in foreclosure or something yeah that's right we can we can just yeah. pull out the judge's home address and put her picture out on the internet you know docks the docks the fucking judge right 
So anyway, yeah. yeah. So all right, but so okay, so so to 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 answer your first question about Russell uh, Russell Poole, again, remi- remind me of the first question. The first question was. <laughs> The, the first question was was that you know if the LAPD wanted to be transparent from the beginning they would have let Russell Poole continue his investigation and 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 whether or not it led to anything or didn't lead to anything at least what it would have done was at least give him the thought that he did his due diligence and he had nothing else left and he could walk away knowing that the LAPD had nothing to do with it but right. since they didn't allow him to do it and they you know really uh, scrutinized him as a person to where he had to give up his long-standing career because his own department you know turned on him right you know i wouldn't say his whole department but the people that the people that had the power to let this investigation carry forward didn't let it carry forward and he left so that, that that's why there will always be question marks regarding the case from the beginning because you didn't let a decorated police officer do his due diligence and now like where we're at now and that's why there's so many questions and everything is questionable and a lot of times people will question and say well you know uh, he was crazy and, and that will be some people will lead you to believe that no, of the course thing is is that yeah there's, of course because it's just it's just slandering because you don't because you don't agree with what he has to no say he's crazy people. you know he's a clown whatever the case might be um, no, right. the, oh, he's alcoholic. He's yeah, alcoholic. exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, and so there's there, there there's that. Now, I take issue with City of Lies. I think that actually, in, in one way, I think even Kading's Kading's show, to a degree, painted the early career of Russell Poole. I thought Jimmy Simpson did a fantastic job with the early years of Russell Poole, how he was at the beginning when he was on the police department, all that. I thought he did an outstanding job. Johnny Depp, I think, did did an okay job. The problem with City of Lies was that fifty percent of the movie was about Russell Poole, not on the police department, but Russell Poole after the police department, where he was talking with the black journalist that that was a whole made up character, supposed to be Randall Sullivan, but then they told him they were going to make him black, uh, you know, and change his name. Um, because okay. Randall Sullivan did Labyrinth, and Russell Poole was a contributor to that book, and that was what City okay. Lies was going to be made made up of. And then, they, but that was going to be Russell Poole, uh, Russell Poole talking to Randall Sullivan. And then all of a sudden, they t- flipped the script on Randall Sullivan and said, "Well, not only are we, you not going to be in it, but we're not even going to use your name, and we're going to make a character with a fake name and make him black and young, okay, so and old. I'm sorry, gotcha. so." So they had that, and that was that was just bad. That was wrong. But fifty percent of that movie, if you go back and watch it, was about Russell Poole at an older age. And I, as I've said many times before, they got it so fucking wrong. And, and and I'm really surprised that the family didn't speak up more about it. Although I don't hold them accountable for it because I'm sure they were probably clued out of a lot while the show was being made. They got invited down to the set, the set once to meet Johnny Depp and all that. But I don't think the family was consulted at all in terms of Russell in his later years. I know I wasn't consulted on Russell in his later years. Mike Carlin wasn't consulted on Russell in his later years. Nobody really gave a shit about Russell in his later years except for the people making the movie. <clears throat> and people like, you know, people that were involved in the production. And I think Don Sikorsky was involved in that production, okay? They wanted to believe that Russ was doing this and he had this pegboard up with all this yarn all over it and he was obsessed with uh uh with biggie and and and, and the biggie case and that kind of thing 
I can tell you from personal first-hand knowledge, Kazi, when he lived at my house, okay, I would hear him talk on the phone. My wife would hear him talk on the phone. He was actively turning interviews down. He was turning news stations down that wanted to do an interview with him because he didn't want to drive that far, okay? Okay. He didn't want to drive 45 minutes or a half hour to go do an interview about Biggie and Tupac to people who wanted to talk to him. These were news channels that wanted to talk to him about it, and he was turning them down. He didn't give a shit in the later years about that case. I mean, he was curious about it, but he didn't give a shit about it in terms of actively pursuing it. He didn't really get involved with reigniting Biggie until after we got involved with Tupac. He got involved with me. We started talking more about it. He And I don't want to mean it to say that when I say he didn't give a shit, I want to dial that back for a minute, that he did care about it, but he wasn't actively pursuing it, okay? When I say he didn't give a shit, what I mean is that he cared about his family. He had new grandkids that had come along. He was spending as much time as he could with the grandkids. He was out looking for a, a, a new job because he liked where he was working. So he's looking for something new. He was doing interviews for stuff, taking interviews. He was walking. He was, you know, worried about his health a little bit. <coughs> he was, it was everything I could do at certain times to get Russ to actually sit down and focus and talk about the Biggie and Tupac thing. Okay. Honestly, God, it was sometimes I felt like I was really bugging him about it. And I loved the guy and respected the guy so much. I didn't really want to. I was all excited about it because I got Russell Poole with me here, man. I'm going to I'm going to wring the life out of him for everything he can tell me. Right. And right. But I was nervous to do that because he was kind of my hero. I didn't want to, you know, bug him about it too much. And, and you know, but it was only after new information started coming out and then Kading showed up his stuff that kind of got on Russell's bad side. But he was not obsessed with this case. He didn't sit there and spend his last dying days worrying about the case. Now, he did spend his last dying day at the sheriff's department trying to make a case about it. That's fact. That's true. But to paint him as this guy who was obsessed with the Biggie case, both I, I expected that from Kading. I expected that from the people that did Unsolved. I expected that. I didn't expect it from people that claimed to want to portray Russell in the best light possible because that was just a clear and utter misrepresentation of what Russell was like. And and the people that would know him the best, his family, his, his son, me, Michael, people that were involved with him, it was not that at all. Russell didn't have a pegboard up. Russell had his information that he had, his, all his notes. He had it in a freaking box, and we had to drive to Palm Springs an hour away to go get it because I kept bugging him that I wanted to see what he had. Okay? Right. Wasn't no damn pegboard. It wasn't like he had a yarn board up there and p pictures all over his apartment. It wasn't like that. He had it in a freaking banker's box that he had at his dad's house in Palm Springs, and we had to go get it. I'm trying to remember that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember that movie. Well, Russell Crowe, when he, um, you know, he's a mathematician and he has all those yeah. big boards. And he's, and yeah, he, that was remember not that, him, A Beautiful Mind. Yeah, it was not A Beautiful Mind. They have him as some, you know, obsessive guy who was running around doing No! I mean, that picture that I have with him, I put it up online where Russell, I got my arm around Russell, he and I are standing next to each other, smiling. That was taken at his dad's house the day we got the boxes of documents of the stuff he had, Okay. He wasn't living with his dad. His dad lived 100 miles away. There was no way he didn't have yeah. those documents. So for these idiots 
to come out and put this information out and say that he was... I expect it from people that didn't respect Russell. I get that, okay? But from people that say they respected Russell and say that he had a son to contribute, to make him and paint him in this light, that he was some mysterious shadow character that was obsessively putting a case together for Biggie and Tupac. Hell no, okay? Never happened that way. I don't know. I don't know if it should, maybe it should be called movie of lies. I don't know. You know, no, I don't know. I don't know that that movie. Yeah. I don't think the movie's ever going to see the light of day. I just don't. I think that Johnny Depp got, just got, you know, dismissed off of the, the last, uh, um, movie he was on. I think his, his stock value in movies has gone through the toilet. Okay, so, you know, maybe they can make a deal with Netflix where maybe they put it on in a revenue sharing deal. But I don't think it's going to see the light of day because the I think it's a it's controversial. B. I think they got paid in an insurance claim that they put out, you know, against the distribution company that filed bankruptcy. I think they got paid their their production costs back. So they're at kind of a zero net zero they didn't lose anything they didn't get anything they didn't lose anything they got the production money back and <clears throat> there's no motivation for them to put it out other than a profit motivation and then they have to split it with other people so i'm not sure they're motivated to do it um i'm not sure that a distributor or a netflix or anything will pick up a johnny Depp movie at this point because he's kind of toxic right now i'm not saying he's a bad actor i just say yeah. he's kind of toxic in the in the movie industry it certainly will never hit the theaters you know that's for sure and, um, and right. you know, but but based on my experience about it, I just don't think it's it, it's that way. So, you know, and uh, we've gone on a long time about that for for darn sure. Um, right. You know, so that is. Um, that's what I got to say about the dossier anyway. Um, but yeah, they can't. They can't so. But anyway, what are the other things we we're going to talk about, though? And and yeah, I think this is going to go long by the time we put the interview that we're going to do with uh, our special guest. <clears throat> Um, I think that um, we need to talk for a minute about immunity, okay? Right. Um, and, and this is going to be a bonanza show. It's going to be an extra bonus podcast. I don't think we go on this long for sure. But uh, I think we need to talk about immunity because, you know, Reggie Wright has now spoken publicly and we have the audio of it. We have the video of it. Uh, we've preserved it in case somebody tries to go back and rewrite history and claim that he never said that. Um, he has claimed that he has immunity. We're not exactly sure from what we're assuming he's talking about the Biggie case and oh, maybe the Tupac case. I don't know. But Reggie Wright's running around saying that he's been granted immunity. Akazi, did you hear that? Yeah, I certainly did. And And the question that popped into my head as soon as he said, you know, right after he said that, was what exactly was it that he got immunity for? I know that he, I think he's, he's, he's made that statement before and nobody's ever questioned it, but, you know, he certainly likes to provide the documents and he likes to provide proof or, you know, lack thereof proof. So my question would be, and it might be a tough question, is what is the immunity for? And if there is immunity, who offered the immunity? Good. Well, I think that's a great question, and, and to help us answer that question, we have on the line <clears throat> Steve Strong, who, as you remember, was the um, 
Tupac Assassination, Battle for Compton. He was in the movie. Uh, Steve Strong was a veteran a detective of the LAPD, was with them for over 20 years, I think. Uh, worked both gangs, homicide, narcotics, you know, kind of did it all with the LAPD. and was a very well-spoken of detective. Um, in later years, he went on to be a an expert witness in federal court uh, for both prosecution and defense attorneys regarding police procedure on the LAPD in particular, regarding police procedure overall, and regarding uh, certainly uh, what cops can do and what cops can't do. And and as you and I got talking about, about this, you know, before we did the show, you know, I wanted to get a hold of Steve because if somebody can actually talk to us about what immunity means and what, because I had a lot of questions, I know you did too, about what immunity means and, <clears throat> excuse me, and could Reggie Wright really have immunity or maybe Reggie Wright thinks he has immunity or whether or not it's just a bunch of bullshit. And to try to get to the bottom maybe, of that, yeah, go ahead, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. I would say maybe, maybe he can, maybe he can write a document for that. <laughs> well, if he can show us a document that says that he's got immunity, that would still come to that, and that would certainly fly in the face of that. But I, I for one, would love to see that. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but to help us understand immunity a little bit, and I thought it was important for the fans because when somebody says they have immunity, like you said, you 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 immediately have questions like for what and by who and all that. I got to the point where I wasn't even sure I understood who could offer immunity, who who would be able to do that, and how the immunity process works. And like I said, you know, he's been waiting for a while. So um, so what I want to do is, uh, Kazi, if you don't mind, I'm going to get Steve Strong on the line and let's talk. Let's talk to him for a minute. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Hey, Steve. How you doing, buddy? Okay. Excellent. Good. Thank you. You know, the interview that you did on Battle for Compton, I don't know if you actually had a chance to see the final, the final, final on it, but, you know, your interview came off so well, and you have been arguably probably one of the most talked about elements of that movie in the last several years. Uh, you know, I can't believe it's been like four years ago that we did that. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, a special thanks for, for doing that, that's for sure. You know. Okay. <laughs> so, let me um, kind of give you the, the scenario. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion recently about um, certain people in the Tupac and the Biggie cases having been given immunity um, and and uh, that for some reason they feel like that's a shield that they're not going to be prosecuted because they've been given immunity. Speaking specifically about Reggie Wright, who who has gone on record on podcasts and everything else, running around claiming that that he has immunity in the Biggie and Tupac cases. Um, and this immunity, apparently, from what I can gather, was was given to him or was alleged to have been given to him by Greg Kading, who was investigating the cases at the time. Um, you know, Steve, I, I want to go back and, and maybe you can walk me through um, what immunity really means and then kind of what the generic process is for somebody who you might interview or a witness that might seek immunity and and kind of what that what that what that entails. Uh, can you kind of walk me through that? Well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, immunity uh, 
is used a lot of times if you're investigating a case and you don't have, you lack the evidence to really go forward to the prosecution uh, is where it would come to play. There, there are different kinds of immunity. I don't remember all of them, but basically what it comes down to is say you have a, an eyewitness or uh, actually an eyewitness that may be involved in the case, criminally involved. And so but you need his evidence or his testimony to complete the case. You would you know, go to the district attorney and explain the situation and tell them, and they would have to come in agreement, uh, and you sit down with the, the, the person that's seeking immunity and see if he actually has anything that would be good enough to give him immunity uh, for his testimony. And there are certain regulations and things that he, he has to abide by. You know, he has to testify truthfully. Uh, he has to conduct himself, you know, without getting in any more criminal activity and so forth. And the immunity is basically is saying that for your testimony, your truthful testimony, you will not be prosecuted on this case. Now, there are immunities given where it's real specific, yeah, only for this one little thing. You can be prosecuted for something else that comes up, involves in it, things of that nature. But uh, usually the, the big immunity is that you're basically free if you testify truthfully. And that's basically what it is. A police officer or a detective cannot... They don't have any authority to give anybody immunity. That would have to come from the district attorney's office or the prosecuting office, uh, if it's a federal case, from the U.S. attorney. Now, the only ones that actually can, can give that immunity. Okay, so, so a quick question about that. If you say that a prosecuting attorney or a district attorney or a federal prosecutor can grant immunity... Would that be during the investigation or would that would only happen once the case has been filed? Because how would the DA or the prosecuting attorney actually be involved in an investigation? Is that even possible? Well, uh, yes. Uh, say you're at the end of your investigation um, and the district attorney doesn't feel there's enough to, you know, file or do a, a prosecution on. But you tell him, you know, hey, I got, you know, this guy, he's, he's involved, but, you know, maybe if we give him immunity, he'll testify. And then that would start the ball rolling as to where there would be, uh, you know, an introduction to the prosecutor from the involved person and yourself, and you would have a, uh, a conference, and he would basically tell the prosecutor what he does know and they would uh, determine if that was good enough uh, to proceed with the case and enough for him to have immunity for. So it would be right at the end where you're trying to file it. Uh, 
So if a case isn't, if a case hasn't been filed, would it be fair to say if a case has not been filed with the DA's office and, and it's not ready to go to the DA's office, there would be maybe a conversation about immunity, but no immunity would have been absolutely granted at that point or even offered. Not, no, I, I would never, I've never heard of it, that happening that someone's offered a, you know, given immunity and then he's just running around town for the next few years yelling, I got immunity and there's no case, there's no prosecution, there's no nothing. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The district attorney, they don't, it's very difficult to get them to give somebody immunity. You'd have to really have some insight knowledge of, you know, the, the crime itself that would just definitely guarantee a prosecution. Sure. And, and we'll talk about collateral collateral value in just a quick second. But uh, just to make sure that I understand it and to sum up what 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 we were talking about, essentially, the, a person can have information that might be good for a case and the detective might tell him, well, I can see about getting you immunity. I could maybe I could talk to the D.A. about it. But a, a police officer cannot himself award immunity or promise immunity to anyone. Uh, would that be a fair statement? Yeah, that's a very fair statement. You can't promise them anything, and you can't grant them. You know, all you can do is say, I'll go to the DA and ask to see if we can get you immunity. Now, we, we know, obviously, you know, and, and, and I don't need you to, if you, if you don't want to comment, that's okay. But we, we already know, and I think it was in the um, uh, George Torres Ramos case that, you know, it was pretty well documented that Greg Kading has a pattern and a history of offering people immunity and offering them things in exchange for their testimony, which, shall we say, was probably not authorized by the DA. Um, uh, yeah, was that was that your experience in the Ramos case? Yes, he uh, had two witnesses, and he had made promises of uh, you know money and other things. And you, as a detective, do not have that authority to do that. Uh, you know, you'd have to go through your department. Uh, your commanding officer and the chief, and then it would have to go to the district attorney's office to see if they agree with it. It's uh, not something that you have any authority to do. And if they're informants, you're not supposed to, to meet and discuss things alone. You're supposed to have a partner with you. And so uh, there were several incidents or things that he did that were out of policy as far as the police department and uh and so it would it, it would be within character if if reggie wright was saying that greg kading gave him immunity maybe that i mean i would be surprised reggie was a police officer i would i would expect that he would know the difference between a, that a detective can't give you an immunity uh and and mr kading promising him that i was about to say that maybe reggie was ignorant and didn't didn't know that greg kading couldn't give him immunity but then i got to realize reggie wright was a sworn police officer and i would think that that would pretty much be uh, pretty much be a, a something that everybody would know uh you know on that yeah it's pretty common knowledge uh you know with police officers i mean they should know that uh, <clears throat> I don't know why he would, you know, he could have been exaggerating, but I don't, 
if this doesn't make any sense, and the other thing is that it doesn't make any sense that he's going around spouting to everybody that he has it. It's not something you want to let everybody know that, that you're going to be testifying against somebody uh, because you've got a mutant. Right, and that's kind of... Yeah, that's kind of where we go into the second part of the of the conversation, and that is, you know, when somebody comes to a prosecuting attorney for immunity, when they go to a district attorney or a detective brings a potential witness, I would think immunity from all prosecution, especially with somebody who might very well be kind of in the middle of a big case, I would think that that would be, that person would have to have something very, very substantial to offer to weigh against his own prosecution or whatever he's he's trying to seek immunity from um you know would would that would that be a fair statement well yeah the only reason he was given immunity is that he's obviously involved in the actual case that you're trying to prosecute and he has first-hand knowledge uh, as being a participant or witnessing it and he's involved somehow that would be the only reason to give them immunity uh, is that they were involved and they could have uh, been prosecuted for it. Steve, in your, in your professional career, and, and you, you, know, you were a detective and worked at gangs and the drugs for years, in your professional experience, I mean, how often was complete blanket immunity actually given to somebody to testify in a case? How, how rare or infrequent is that? Very rare. <laughs> I mean, it, it has to be... Uh, some really strong circumstances, and it's very rare. Uh, it's just not something that occurs all the time in all the cases. It's, it's just very rare. Yeah, I would I would think that a, a, a district attorney, especially if they know that whatever it is they're seeking immunity from may be so strong that they get a better prosecution against that witness, that it would be something they would be very reluctant to, to hand out randomly. Well, yeah, uh, I mean... Because you're taking a big chance uh, of giving somebody immunity that may be a bigger participant than the people that you know about. And that person, of course, isn't going to ever tell you that. They're never going to say, well, actually, I know more than what I'm telling you, but I want immunity first. Um, yeah, they, they never tell you, you know, more than they have to. They don't ever tell you everything. So... You know, you, you're taking a big chance that you may be given the head guy immunity and prosecuting everybody under him. So that's just one of the, the chances they can take. And that's obviously why the safety, why why it's not a police officer's or a detective's uh, jurisdiction to offer that immunity, because you've got the second set of eyes from the prosecuting attorney that can look at it more objectively. Would you say that's fair? Well... Yeah, in a way, because, I mean, basically, as a police officer, the detective, you're reporting the facts and taking the, the facts and the evidence to the prosecutor. They make the determination on what's going to occur from there, if there's going to be a prosecution or not, or if immunity's involved or, or anything else. But all you are is just taking the evidence and the facts to them for them to determine how things are going to be played out. And, and, and in your experience, has there ever been a time where there's been given preemptive immunity before a prosecution is actually undertaken and somebody testifies? Well, 
yes, like I say, it'd be at the culmination or the end of the, the, the investigation and you just, and the DA doesn't feel that you have enough to go forward. And at that point, you know, you, you tell them, well, maybe if we give this guy immunity, maybe he'll come forward and, you know, make the case for us. So basically, you could end up giving that guy the promise of immunity for his testimony before you actually filed the case because the, the DA is going to want to know exactly what he does know. Right. And so there would be, would that be when they would do some sort of a proffer or some sort of a statement to try to get on record what it is the guy is exchanging for his, uh, for his immunity? Well, yeah, he's going to have to go and tell the, the district attorney, the prosecutor, what he knows and what he can testify to. Because they're not in the habit of handing out immunity just because you say you have knowledge. They want to know exactly what it is. And yeah. what, you know, your your role in the, the whole situation determine if they're going to give it to you. Because if they determine in your interview that you're more of a suspect than anybody else, they're not going to give it to you. Right. So there, so there would have to be some sort of a disclosure to the DA's office or the prosecuting attorney of the substance of what somebody is is handing over in exchange for this immunity. So then the next question I have would be, Steve, um, but that immunity wouldn't because it's basically a contract. It's it's basically um, we will give you immunity from prosecution if you provide this evidence or if you give this testimony but that immunity actually can't happen until that information, I, I'm guessing if it's evidence or that testimony actually occurs, correct? Basically, yes, uh, because there are, uh, you know, things that go along with it. And, the one, and if it's a witness-type immunity, it's going to be on the condition that you testify truthfully. So he doesn't really have the immunity all the way until he actually goes in and, and testifies. And so he, if he gets up there and lies or gets caught in a lie, then all bets are off. Right. So running around before a prosecution or before a trial saying you have immunity is not totally true because you don't really have it until you fulfill your half of the bargain. And I think, Steve, this is where actually I think people actually get it kind of mixed up because, you know, obviously police procedure is not something that everybody just goes and learns in school. But I think that there's something that needs to be brought up here. And that is that when even when somebody because the argument could be made, well, maybe he was given immunity in exchange for evidence. But even when you present evidence it, let's say I have a document and this document has damning. It's a damning piece of evidence. You still have to at trial. That witness still has to present that document and still has to vouch for the document's integrity. Uh, the evidence is never presented on its own. It usually has to have an affiant or a person that was the witness that provided that particular document or that piece of evidence and they have to testify anyway. It's not like you can give immunity for just presenting a document. Oh, you got immunity because you presented that. Um, is, is that would that be? A, I, I want to make sure I'm saying that correctly. Is that does that sound right? Yeah, you're pretty much right on. I, I mean, 
you know, if you have evidence like DNA or scientific evidence that doesn't need cooperation, that's, that's different. But if you have, you know, eyewitness testimony or uh, other types of evidence, it, it does need cooperation to, to prove it in court. Uh, it, you know, if it can't stand on its own. So if somebody says, yeah, I have a document that will prove that so-and-so did this, and you present that document, but the document itself doesn't have enough in it that it'll stand by itself to prove that person did it. Uh, but a person, even with a document, would still have to, in exchange for that immunity, he would still have to testify to the accuracy or the truthfulness of what's in that document. Like, yes, I found this in a cabinet drawer. I didn't make this up. I didn't write this myself. He would still have to corroborate that piece of evidence, right? Yes, yeah, he would, yeah, he would have to come in and verify it, that right. this is a true document and how he got it and where it's from. Okay, so in either case, whether or not it's witness testimony or directly, like I know this or I heard this person say this, that or a document, a piece of information that you might give to say, well, here's a ledger that has all of the expenses for this company. Either way, a person would still have to go to court and testify about either his, his knowledge or about the document to corroborate it in exchange for that true immunity from prosecution. Would that be fair? Yes, that would be fair. Okay. So when somebody's running around saying they have immunity and no case has ever been filed and an investigation was really not even completed or referred to the prosecuting attorney, and maybe it was, it may have gotten kicked, I don't know, uh, but Mr. Kading does an investigation and uh, Reggie Wright says that Mr. Kading gave him immunity on its face. That's that would be an inaccurate statement because uh, obviously a police officer cannot give immunity. Would that be fair? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he cannot do that. Okay. And and then and then, but even then, it, let's say that he told him, "Okay, you can have immunity, but there will be things that you will have to do. You'll have to meet with the DA's office." You'll have to present your information to the DA so they understand what it is you're giving. And then it's the DA's final decision as to whether to grant you immunity or not. There would need to be something. If he's truly got that immunity, there would need to be a document from the DA. Wouldn't there be a contract or something they would get back from the DA? Uh, no, not really. Uh, it's normally just all done verbal. Uh, it, it, you know, if they ever went to trial, uh, I mean, you know, has to testify, it would have to be disclosed to the defense that, you know, he's got immunity for his testimony. Okay. Uh, so there, there's, sometimes they'll have a document, sometimes they don't. It just depends on the circumstances, uh, but it, it's not a, a real complicated document. Not hard and fast, sure. Well, I mean, and obviously, but the magic really doesn't occur. You don't get immunity unless you've gone through the motion of presenting that and, and, and that testimony at trial, correct? I mean, it just doesn't happen. Um, you broke up a little bit. I think of he's not going to have anything that says he's got immunity. Okay. So, and, know, and if he went and spoke with the DA, and the DA said, you know, man, it sounds good, you know, we'll, we'll go with that, but... Like I say, until they file a case or have a case, he doesn't have immunity on anything. 
and then he would have to testify to to make sure that that side of the contract was fulfilled, that he trust testified truthfully and that he gave the right information, because Lord knows they wouldn't want to offer a guy immunity and have him get up there and completely recant his testimony. Correct. Correct. Yeah, he's going to have to fulfill his end of the bargain. Right. And if that's testifying, then he has to testify, but it has to be truthful. He can't be caught in any, any lie or any misinformation, or then the immunity's done. It's over. Because then he's unreliable. Well, I mean, Stephen, I'm asking just for your opinion based on some of the stuff that you heard. I mean, it strikes, it strikes me as odd that somebody would be actually, like you said, running around saying that he's got immunity because the first question that would come to my mind was what information was strong enough, what information was substantial enough that you might have that would warrant a prosecutor to give you immunity? Is that, I mean, does it, uh, it raises all kinds of alarms in my head. Well, the only thing that would come to my mind is that he has firsthand knowledge or was there when the crime was committed or he participated somehow in the crime to be able to know how it was committed and who committed it. That would be the only thing I could see them giving him immunity for. Right. So in the case of the Christopher Wallace case where uh, Reggie's, uh, maybe his testimony would be to against Suge Knight for being the guy who gave the order to make things happen. If Reggie was the guy who, actually made it happen on behalf of Suge Knight or he was a material part of that, that that information is valuable, but the information by itself would not be strong enough to give immunity. He would actually have to have a case and actually be able to testify to that fact in court before he would get that immunity. Does that would that be an accurate statement? Yeah. He's, he's got to fulfill his bargain, whatever that is, which is the deed truthful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and since prosecutors don't just throw blanket immunity around, even if he was offered immunity, that would have to be something substantial, I would think. Yes, they, they don't do it on just, you know, a whim. I mean, it has to be a very, very strong piece of evidence or, or eyewitness uh, account to, to get immunity. They, they don't just hand it out for, for anything. Wow. Well, that that clears it up for me. And I and I'm sure that 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 our listeners will very much appreciate your walking us through the process. You know, you've done this a million times and and, uh, you know, testified in federal court about these things and about this process. And, you know, the LAPD does have I think it was something that we talked about with Mr. Kading. The LAPD does have very strict policies regarding what you can tell a witness and what you cannot tell a witness. Correct. Yes, there's a uh, there's an informant manual. Uh, when I first came on, they didn't have one, but it was, it was the same rules that are in the manual now. That you can't meet with uh, an informant alone, and you can't promise them anything because you don't have that authority, and they don't want you meeting alone because they don't want the informant coming back and saying you did this and you did that. You need to have a witness. And wasn't that the manual that Greg Kading said didn't exist? Yes, he said that didn't exist. And he obviously, he knew it did, but just telling the court it didn't. And, and, and that was when the court shut everything down and said, go, go, no, go get that manual? 
Yes, uh, I uh, because I wasn't on the job when they made the manual. I brought in a guy that was on the job <clears throat> and an expert about that manual, and he came in and testified that yes, there is one. And that's when the judge said, "No, I want I want that I want that manual here," and he shut everything down until the prosecutor went and got the manual. I suppose he had to have Kading go get it. Yeah. Well, and 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 what do you think the likelihood was that Kading didn't know there was a manual? <laughs> I don't think there's any chance he did not know. Right. Because uh, you have to take a written test to become a detective, and you have to go to an oral one. The questions would be from the department manual, the detective manual, homicide manual, and informant manual, there's questions, 150 questions. So it's, it's very highly unlikely that he didn't know about it. Right. Well, that's a, that's what that's really what we're trying to come down to the bottom of here is that, you know, there are people running around that are building a following and saying that they have all this great information, but they've been given immunity for prosecution. And it just doesn't ring as accurate simply because what first question that would come to my mind is, you know, what, okay, immunity from what? And then, of course, how does, how does that implicate you? Because obviously they're giving you immunity. It doesn't mean you weren't involved. It just means you're not going to be prosecuted for your involvement. Um, I would almost think that that would be an admission all by itself when you're running around saying you've got immunity. Well, it, it is an admission of involvement because... You're not going to give an eyewitness uh, immunity because they're not a participant. They just happen to see it happen. The only reason you give them immunity is that they have some involvement, whether it's all the way or halfway or what, but they are or were involved. Wow. That's the only reason to give them immunity. Wow. Otherwise, otherwise they could get prosecuted for that exact crime. So you have to be careful when you say things in public like that, because that could almost be looked at as an admission of liability, uh, you know, without even thinking about it. You're admitting that you did something because you say you got immunity for it. But uh, that, that's a very dangerous. I, I, I That's baffling to me why somebody would do that under those circumstances. Well, in a way, but if they don't have enough to go forward without your testimony, then they really can't go forward on you because without you, they don't have anything. So basically, you're you know you're you're telling them what you can testify to ahead of time. But you know if they don't give you immunity or don't use it, they really can't come after you because they don't have the evidence uh, as it is. Yeah, got it. And so yeah, okay, that makes sense. Well, listen, uh, Steve, you know, as always, man, I, I thanks. Thanks for picking up the phone. It's always good to talk to you anyway. Um, no, you know, uh, I no problem. Well, I appreciate you doing that. And uh, and uh, I know our listeners are going to appreciate clarity, because, as you know, that's that's what defines a case is clarity. We don't want to be wandering around in murkiness. So, uh, you know, that it's important. OK. Hey, Steve, thanks again, man. We'll, we will talk soon, brother. Thank you. All right, take, take care. care. All right, bye-bye now.
little message to the dead in my car as I passed on. Shit's still hard, but I will still stronger. I can still feel it, and you can hear it in my song. Pop, yak, stretch, the list just goes on. Big crazy white in the hood is still mourning. All homicides of unknown proportion. These niggas give a fuck as they fucked up and starving. If they were some sign or some kind of warning. Crippled to the point that I'm on my knees crawling. My mama asked me, where's a son? I can't call it a ball of confusion. Mass with lies on top of the hating side niggas dies. So, thug and peace to each and every one of you. And we will do our best to improve. One love. One love. One love. Cancer, ate him away. No insurance, they ensured that his life wouldn't stay. Back and forth to the radiation treatments. Seems to hurt him and make it worse. Lose weight, he wasn't eating. It's hard to stay focused when your light is dimming. Sitting next to the hospital bed and you can't help him any. The strongest man I ever known in my life. Smiling at war, but he's losing the fight. Wish I made myself more before he lost his life. Didn't take that path, it wasn't part of the plight. Written to BLG, the rest is wrong. He passed the same day as my little sister senior prom a memory i won't forget everything you taught me i won't forget i love your pop Strife, wipe the grin off your face, just a spin-off. I pray, wipe the sin off, slate for I'm sent off. Face of the earth, I'ma get off. Still trying to pin out my place. Still see your face when I stare off. Space, will it wear off? Before they cut my air off, will I ever get my last farewell off? Glare from the flares, motherfuckers stare, niggas sped off, scared. Life in jeopardy, lights to the right and the left of me. License the rights of what's left of me. Christ of the Chrysler, a hype on the mic, never mind that. I'm trying to hype in my biker. Like a not, they say life is a bitch and it's a glitch. Cause she a dyke, enticed by a dick. Dead wrong, you think you got life in your midst. You got rights to the nigga, put a price on your prince trip. Oh, Well, I'm gathering my thoughts about it for a minute because there was a lot of information there. Tell me, I mean, Kazi, for the unspoken crowds out there, tell me what you thought. 
Well, I thought it was it was very compelling. I think one of the biggest points that Steve made was when they offer immunity, they generally offer immunity for viable information or rather somebody who's involved in a crime. So they're just not going to give somebody immunity that was just a passive witness or, or yeah. heard something. I mean, generally it's, it has to be something that is going to be earth shattering, right? It has to be something that is going to maybe turn the case or whatnot in, in the favor of the, of the, of the, uh, the state or whatnot. So for me, I think the biggest thing was, was that they don't offer immunity just to anybody. They, they offer immunity for valuable information and they offer immunity to people that are generally involved. So the right. question would be, if there's immunity that was given to that person, what was the immunity for? Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was, it was, it, yeah, I got the same thing. You know, it's a, it, it's a participant, you know, he used that word. It's a participant. It's somebody, it's not somebody who refers a witness over like a Tammy Hawkins and gives a witness over and says, you give you immunity. If you, if I give you Tammy Hawkins and she talks, <clears throat> Because at the end of the day, he's not really providing. He's providing a, a reference, but he's not really providing critical information that would help them prosecute the case. And I think it's also, too, you know, a case has to actually be filed. I mean, it's, you know, he said when a detective is wrapping up and ready to present to a district attorney, that's the first time that mm-hmm. the district attorney even hears that, well, we'd have a pretty weak case if we didn't have this person. But if we get this person, it's a strong case. And for him to testify, he wants immunity because he participated in things and he has knowledge that's going to turn this case, to your point, that they would definitely, you know, this is the right thing to do. And, of course, the prosecutor is going to look at it and the prosecutor is going to be the one that makes a decision on on immunity or not immunity. I mean, I think about Keith Davis and the proffer, that alleged proffer session that was supposed to be. Keith Davis gave information from some sort of immunity from prosecution. Um, I've never seen Keith Davis's immunity agreement. Have you? No, All never. Right. So never we, seen it. So so, let's, so it leads to it leads to the next question, right? Was was the immunity that was given? Was it was it from Greg Kading? And of course, if it came from Greg Kading. Well, we already talked about all that. It's not that it's not valid. (laughs) Well, we already talked about that. I mean, you know, I I think Steve did a fantastic job of breaking that down. Um, You know, I think that the but but the the thought suddenly came into my mind. Well, the same guy who said he didn't know anything about the informant manual in the LAPD just said he didn't it didn't exist or he didn't know anything about it. The same guy who was caught offering houses and offering money and things for people in exchange to testify. The same guy who Reggie Wright says had something to do with giving him immunity, okay, is also the same guy who says that Keith Davis was given a proffer session under some immunity terms, that if he talked about the murder of Tupac or murder of Tupac Shakur that he would get some sort of immunity okay now he is definitely a participant you know according to him anyway you know he's definitely somebody that you know he claims was in the car so he would have information but in that case it's more like well what are, what what is the prosecuting attorney giving you information for if the person that did the crime is dead 
Okay. Steve made a good point about the value of the testimony, the value of the information that you're going to give is only good for a prosecution. And who the fuck are they going to prosecute? Orlando Anderson? He's dead. Okay. So I'm beginning to question even the Keith Davis's immunity. I'm not saying they didn't take him down and they didn't question him. I don't, I'm not saying that that proffer session may not have been just to find out what it was he knew before he got offered an immunity deal. Okay, again, for what, I really don't know. But I'm looking at the credibility of the dude that said that this was his proffer session for immunity. Of course, I haven't heard the whole tape. You haven't heard the whole tape. Nobody's heard the whole tape except for some guy at the newspaper, a couple people that Kading knows, and, and who knows what they what he played and what they didn't. Okay, you know it wasn't an official recording. Keith Davis's interview was not an official recording. It wasn't. In fact, it was it was actually against policy to record it. And Kading said it was like somebody else wasn't him, and it was in somebody's jacket yeah. pocket or something like that. That's he admitted it. See. Okay. He, he says we don't even know, we don't even know who recorded it. Right. We so, don't even know that. Like you said, he said that some guy recorded it, and he said that he recorded it, and he said. Yeah, you know, Keith, but but I think that I think that Keith Davis, uh, I think that you know the the whole Keith Davis proffer session that was allegedly for some sort of immunity. Um, you know what? I don't have any proof of that either. Okay, mm-hmm. all I have is the guy running around making immunity offers to people that he can't make immunity offers to. That's what I do know. Right. I, that is fact. We do know. That was it was in in a court of law. It was it was out there that Greg Kading was making uh, false promises to people and offering them money and houses and immunity. And you know Reggie Rice running around saying that he has immunity. And you know the other thing we talked about, Steve. You know we we talked about that that uh, you know is it possible that Reggie may just be dumb and not know that he doesn't have immunity? But. I went back and I, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, Steve, I think we did a good job of talking to Steve and, and saying, you know, look, he was a cop. Reggie Wright was a cop and he dealt with gang members and informants and snitches because he was working gangs and drugs, according to him anyway. Okay. He's supposed to be, you know, boots on the ground guy working the gangs, right? He yeah. would know what you can promise somebody, what you can't promise somebody. He would also know right. what you would get immunity for and what you wouldn't get immunity for. And it makes me concerned that a lot of people, fans in particular, are being played here. Okay? They're being completely played because they don't understand immunity. It's why I'm so thankful to Steve. And again, thank you, Steve, for, for, for calling in. And I know the connection was kind of rough, but you know the information is really valuable. Um, that he would know the difference between what you offer immunity for and what you can't offer immunity for. So is he, you know, and I think we did a good job of clearing the air that I don't think that, you know, unless he's going to show us a document or something that proves it. And again, maybe he has some sort of immunity from the prosecutor, but it would be very unusual. I think if he did. And so that's the call to, you know, show us the proof. Let's see the immunity. And then let's find out what the immunity was for. What participation in the events were you going to give up information about? Okay. And it wouldn't have been just, hey, I know Tammy Hawkins and she said that. That wouldn't get you immunity from prosecution. It would not. Okay. In, in complete speculation here. But let's let's take the Fucci Faust, Faust thing. I can't even say his name. At face value for two seconds. Let's go to La La Land, Dreamland, and let's 
let's take it at face value. Okay. If Poochie Faust was the one that Suge Knight hired to kill Biggie, for whatever reason that would be, the only time Reggie Wright would have anything to do with that and was a participant in it is if he somehow brokered the deal. That's the only thing I could think right. of. Again, that's speculation, but that's the only thing that makes sense because what other piece of information could he possibly offer a prosecutor? And again, the Biggie case wasn't prosecuted. The Biggie case wasn't even talked to about prosecution. I mean, I think Katie wanted you to believe he was close to solving the case, but he said the LAPD shut it down. I don't think you can correct right. me, correct my math and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, <clears throat> I don't think he even made it to the prosecutor's office with the case. Okay? No, and, and, we, can, and we can talk about the immunity of the only one that we do know of. So if we put them all in order here, then, you know, we know George Torres Ramos with, you know, his people, and then TPD, supposedly, and then now, if if indeed it was Craig Kidding, then you would you would put uh, the head of security in that in that basket as well. Right, and closest Suge Knight's probably closest confidant during that time. I mean, the attorneys and everybody else saying that nobody could talk to Suge without talking to Reggie. Reggie had to be in the mix of all of it. So I think really, when you listen to it, I mean, under the even under the Pucci Faust thing, which I think is ridiculous, but even under that. The, what only information you'd be able to give would be about your involvement with contracting him or your knowledge of, of his involvement. But just knowledge by itself, according to Stephen, wasn't really enough to get you that kind of an immunity deal, a blanket immunity, okay? It might get you a free pass on some part where they may not bring charges against you right now. That doesn't qualify as documented immunity. And again, I think Steve made it very clear, and you heard it as well as I did, that really immunity doesn't really happen until after you've testified. Okay? Right. You gotta fulfill your end of things. You can you could be promised immunity, but you don't have it. Okay? And I'm sorry, but I don't think that Reggie is that ignorant that he could make that statement and and really convince people that he didn't know the difference between being offered immunity and having immunity. Okay? Uh-huh. I, I don't think he's that dumb. Okay. And <clears throat> So would you would you would you would you really just summarize it? And if you had to have one request regarding this immunity, what would it be? Well, let me see the immunity doc. Let me see that. Let me see the yeah. agreement because uh, because Steve Strong said that most of them weren't done in writing. That it's, you know, not most, but some of them were done in writing. Some weren't done in writing. So okay, so now you okay. you have a baseless claim that you had an agreement with the prosecutor. Okay, what's the prosecutor's name? Let's find out. Who was the prosecutor, Greg Keating? Who was the prosecutor, Reggie Wright? Who was the prosecutor that made the deal with Reggie Wright under what case specifically? Because a federal prosecutor wouldn't have been involved with um, the Biggie killing because that's a state crime. It's not a federal crime. It's a state crime. Okay? And so would, you know... Who, who was the prosecutor? Probably not Timothy Searight. They, he may have been involved with it, but he's a federal prosecutor. So I'm not sure that he could have given any immunity for anything. Maybe there was other charges, federal charges, that they were offering to hang over Reggie's head that if he testified in the Biggie and Tupac thing, or in Biggie case, that he would be given immunity in a federal prosecution? Maybe. But let's let's see the deal. Let's see it. And then, of course, because he never did testify about anything... There's no deal. The deal's not complete. 
The deal is right. you get immunity so, for your testimony. So, so, so I know that he's gonna. I, I, I think, and I, I hate to say this, RJ, but I think he's gonna, he's gonna love to prove, prove it to you. He's gonna, you know, he loves to prove things to people. So. Oh, I welcome it. I welcome it. I would love to be wrong on this one. I would love to think that Reggie Wright has immunity from the Biggie case and it was given to him by Greg Kading and that Greg Kading engineered it because the next question would be, for what? Okay, to your point. That's the question. Yeah, I would yeah. love to because because that just leads to it. And by the way, I think Steve Strong made a pretty good point about if you... Why would you run around telling people you have immunity into the prosecution of a unsolved homicide? Okay? Why would you do that? Because A, it's really not true. B, you're putting yourself out there as kind of a snitch when you think about it. Um, but the other thing is, <clears throat> you're basically tipping the hand that you're going to testify. Because until you do, you don't have it. You have a promise of right. immunity if it ever came up and there was a prosecution. And that might be what Reggie is saying. In all of this said and done, that might be when he says, I have immunity. Well, that might mean that he got promised that if he testified and gave up what he knew about things, that he might have immunity. But he doesn't have it. He may have some promise or he was promised at some point. But that's just a promise. That's not immunity. Okay. If 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 they indeed reopen or refile the notorious B.I.G. case, then he may get the, he may get his wish, right? He may get to, to testify. Well, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> it depends on the prosecutor. It's certainly not going to be the same whatever prosecutor it was the last time around twenty years ago that tried to prosecute the case. Okay. And besides, the LAPD has to put the case together. So they're going to have to be able to tell the prosecutor what role Reggie Wright had, if any, in the case of B.I.G. They're going to have to prove that. They're going to have to say, Reggie, and he's going to have to admit whatever his involvement was. And that involvement is going to have to be equal because, like, like, like Steve said, he could be the head of the whole thing and then they give him immunity and then he walks away as the head of the whole thing because he didn't tell him he was the head of the whole thing. Okay? Right. So they're not just going to run around giving some guy blanket immunity without understanding exactly what it is he's bringing to the table. And since they understood exactly what was being brought to the table, what I want to know, and Greg Kading will never come up with it, <clears throat> is what, what he was offered immunity for. Will, will Kading mm -hmm. admit that Reggie Wright was given immunity, and will he admit by from who and for what? Because it's going to come from one of the two of them. It's either going to come from Reggie or it's going to come from Kading because they're the only two people that have ever made the claim that Reggie had any immunity in the Biggie case. Okay? And that's a, and that's a question on the hour. Sure is. So I think with that, I think what we'll do is we'll leave it up to you guys to listen and figure out and sort through it and listen to the interview a couple of times so you understand it. You know, gosh, Kazi, I'm exhausted. We we went on for, you know, hour more. It's a long, long show. Yeah. Sure. Any last thoughts, yeah, Kazi? And hopefully, and hopefully, yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, RJ. Uh, my last, my, my last thoughts would be if any of the listeners out there, maybe, maybe you can chime in on the next live stream and you can, you know, speculate what it is that the, the person that we're speaking of is, uh, what is what is immunities for? Maybe you can you can add some you know shed some light on that, and then oh, hopefully we can I welcome Reggie to talk about it. To, I welcome Reggie to yeah, talk about it. 
I want Brady to talk yeah. about what he got his immunity for. Yeah. Okay. Right, and, ho- and hopefully they do they do a podcast about that, or they do a live stream, they do a pre-recording, and then they show that document. But I can yeah. almost guarantee you, unless it's uh, maybe a doctor document, they're not going to be transparent about what it's for. I guarantee you, they're gonna they're gonna breeze over this. So well, I mean, I think hopefully they prove me wrong. Well, I, I, my, if I had to bet on it, what I'd bet is that they're not, they're going to say there wasn't a document because it was a, a verbal thing, which Steve Strong did say happens. Uh, you know that there was a verbal, it was a verbal immunity that was given to him by the prosecutor. Okay, which means shit. Okay, honestly, it means nothing. Um, that that uh, it For certainly what, has no weight now. For what though? Yeah. Well, no, no. Right. And 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 what and what he's going to say is that it was for his introduction to Tammy Hawkins or information that led them to Tammy Hawkins and or Suge Knight, you know, and Poochie Faust. That's what he's going to claim, okay? But that's why I thought it was important that we talk to Steve because Steve kind of threw cold water all over that, okay? That Mm -hmm. just because you know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, that's not going to give you blanket immunity because really... You're not admitting anything. You're just saying you know the person that can hand over the information. But you want immunity. Immunity from what? If you didn't do anything, you don't need any immunity. If all you do is that you know these people, what's your immunity for? That you knew two people or they told you something and you, you, you know, you're giving them, you gave them Tammy Hawkins' name? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, that's, if that's what you did. But according to Steve, and I believe it to be true, no prosecutor in the world is going to give you, I mean, they may give you maybe some immunity for something, but they're not going to just give you blanket immunity for anything that they may charge you with just because you referred somebody, you dropped a name, you gave them a name, okay? Okay. Well, let's, let's, let me give you a scenario. Let me give you a scenario here. So let's just say that I hired a hitman to kill somebody, and then one night I'm just hanging out with Theoretically, say, hey, hypothetically. Guess what? I hired a hitman to kill somebody. And then the police come to you and they say, Hey, RJ, what do you know about this murder? And you say, I want immunity. Immunity for what? Oh, because he told me. But you weren't involved in the crime, so you don't need immunity. Right. So point being is that, as, as you just said right now, that there would be no immunity given if it was just something that he heard. Yep. Or somebody that... Yeah, or somebody that, yeah, he heard him say that, or he dropped the name. Now, granted, dropping the name in a case that might give you a relevant witness and providing that information is certainly, uh, that may turn a case. I mean, that may be something that a prosecuting attorney may say that. But again, at the end of the day, he's still got to get up there and he's got to be the guy that establishes the relationship about how the detectives got there, how... That, why Tammy Hawkins is important to this case? Why what she has to say is important? How he knew her, you know, how they, how he, how she got introduced, and blah blah blah. He's going to have to testify right. to something, okay? Because yes, it's good information. Maybe they would pay him for that information. Informants are paid, paid informants. Think about that for a minute, guys. You know, if you're having a hard time making money. And you got to deal drugs and you got to money launder for, uh, you know, for keeping the family up there on that million dollar house uh, with the $7,000 a month mortgage payment or whatever it is, you know, but what do you got to do to make a buck? Okay. Well, if you're going to offer up information, you're going to give somebody's name up, you know, 
maybe you got paid for that information because informants are paid. Okay. So right. maybe that's possible. But maybe it's also equally possible that in addition to giving that person's name up, you also said how you were involved with things because, sorry, Suge Knight couldn't do it by himself. Okay. Suge Knight couldn't contact Poochie Faust, and there's been no evidence whatsoever that Suge Knight ever contacted Poochie Faust and gave Poochie Faust the order to do it. So at minimum, if Reggie Wright was involved with it, somebody passed the message to Poochie. And I think Kading said that Tur Hawkins gave him an envelope of money or something, didn't they? Didn't he? Yeah, I think uh, the, uh, the story is, is that she had given him $10,000 uh, well, actually, I think what it was was asked for twenty five thousand dollars, and he was only given ten thousand, and then it went down to seven thousand, and somewhere somewhere along the way, somebody kept some. Money and then it became an an IHOP gift that, card. Part of that transaction. Yeah, and then it was an IHOP gift card. After that, he got it all the way down to that twenty five dollar IHOP gift card. I think it was a Starbucks card that he did it for, actually. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, and then after that, it was coupons. Yeah. Kids you know, <laughs> or something. It was dollar night, dollar discount night at the movie theater coupon. Um, right. You know, listen, and, and 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 again, but then here comes the question. Where did Tammy Hawkins get the money? Where'd the money come from? It's fu funny how that's never yeah. quite been brought up. Okay. What did, did she well, just go well, visit no, no, up? No, she, no, it has. It has. It has been. It has been brought up. Oh, really? It has been brought up. Okay. How did yeah, she get the money? Absolutely. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken... Would Suge Knight pull it out of his mattress in the, in the in the prison? No, he was he was asked for money out of a checking account, or somebody asked him for money, and he paid the money unknowingly. He he said that it was a check for something. He says if Suge Baby's mama asks for something, then you don't you know question her. You just give her the money. So he's saying that he given her the money without knowing what it was going to be used for. So in other words, you know, it, it kind of excludes him from the crime if, if you want to use his logic. Okay, well, so, so in other words, so unwittingly, he, pay, he pay, paid the money that funded a murder, according to him. Well, see, now that's involvement. That's involvement right there. That, that, that's involvement. That, that is, even if he unwittingly did it, and he put the money in there. He's the one that funded it. He funded the the killing, according to that theory. So if you follow that theory, you say, okay, all of that's you know true. And Reggie's the guy who put the money in the account. He could say, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. Okay, it was like we've not heard that one before. But you know, it's like I I, I didn't know what I was doing. If Shug's baby mama says I want money, uh, we just do that. We just put that money in there. <coughs> that's plausible. So good. Okay. So now let's work it through. The, the DA would offer you immunity <coughs> to testify to that fact, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that was then. But you didn't testify to that. You didn't testify in court to that. So you don't have immunity, according to Steve Strong. There's a promise from an old prosecutor and maybe in a police officer or an old prosecutor, there's a promise there that you got immunity if you testified to those things, okay? Mm -hmm. And the case could have gotten that close. I mean, I'll give it every benefit of the doubt I can. The case could have gotten that close. Maybe you did get in front of a prosecutor. Maybe Kading was that close with it 
<coughs> that he took it to prosecutor, and prosecutor agreed and said, yep, he didn't know he was paying the money. <coughs> yeah, right. He didn't know he was paying the money into it. But he but he did, and he did it without knowing that he was doing something wrong. And he did it because Suge wanted him to do it, or she asked him to do it. But he, they would need him to be part of that chain. That that right. That they, they would need to be to establish that because that question goes: How did how did she, how did Pucci Fauci get the money? Who paid him? Okay. And Tammy Hawkins says she paid. And, and, and that's if the story's true, RJ. Right. Well, that's my point. Giving every benefit of the doubt that nonsense theory. Okay. Reggie says, yeah, because. That's the that's the theory that's the weakest of all of them because it has the least to do with uh, with with you know anybody hiring ex cops or any of that okay because where did the cops all come in okay they didn't because LAPD wasn't involved in it at all clearly okay right so yeah of course so um, but yeah that that's that's the thing so yeah under that chain of 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 reasoning then perhaps he. Uh, could have been offered immunity. No one's saying that he may not have been offered immunity. We know he was probably offered immunity by Kading, but we already talked about that. But if he was offered immunity because he was the one that gave the money to Tammy Hawkins to pay Poochie Faust, okay, for this alleged crime, okay, and he didn't ask any questions, they would need his testimony or at least, you know, uh, want that. But I don't think that that's strong enough to off to offer blanket immunity. And even if it was, he didn't get the immunity because he never testified. There was never a case filed. I guess that's really what we're saying at the end of the day, no matter what your theory is, right? Right. So right. <clears throat> so that's it, guys. My throat is killing me. See, we, I said we were gonna go. That was like ten minutes ago. We got off on another riff, didn't we? So now you got the extra yeah, extra sure, bonus sure. show, right? Um, almost cut this up into two shows at this point. But anyway, now that's that's all I have for for this podcast. Kazi, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, if there's questions out there, and you're with this side or you're with that side or you're non-bipartisan or whatever it may be, ask those questions. Ask those sub-questions. Get on their live streams. Ask those questions and see yep. what kind of response you get. That's right. Anyway, <clears throat> I agree. And as I choke to death here, speaking for me and J.M. Kazi, as always, this is R.J. Bond, and that's what I know. R.J. Bond, What I Know is a production of Martin Productions Incorporated. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. No part of this may be used without express written permission of Martin Productions.